Hello, Fellowship family. You are listening to a channel that has been created for the church here at Fellowship Bible Church and beyond uh, to encourage and inspire you to and equip you to love God and to love others more and more. I'm John Morrison, your host for today, and with me are Liz and Howard Green, two dear friends uh, who have agreed to discuss some things with us related to this focus on um, identity, sexuality, and gender that we have been doing for the last number of weeks. We are at a section in this series, this focus on sexuality and gender and identity. We're in a section where we're, we're, we've moved more from the general foundational aspects of those um, words, those ideas, and we're moving more into a section where we're uh, getting testimonies from people about how they live out their uh, sexuality, how they live out their maleness and their femaleness, and even even that close relationship within marriage. Obviously, we're uh, we're not here to uh, talk about the most private things, but we are here to talk about how has God taught us to become one, or how has God taught us in some of the other episodes how to handle um, uh, sexual interests and thoughts. We have some singles who will be sharing uh, a little bit about their whole story with regard to sexuality. Uh, But in this case, I've asked Howard and Liz for a couple of reasons if they would share with us. And one of them is that Diane and I have known Howard and Liz for a number of years, probably around 13 or so years. I don't know exactly how long. Um, And we've been able to watch them up close. We've been in their home many times. They've been in our homes a few times for a reason we'll say later as to why it's few in ours and many in theirs. But uh, we've gotten to see them with their kids, and we've also gotten to see them as couples uh, and as individuals. And one of the things that has stood out to me in watching them is a level of respect and tenderness and oneness that I see in them that to me bespeaks a man and a woman who have been one. And it shows up in their friendship with each other. It shows up in the way they minister together. It shows up in the way they parent together. And I'm not talking about perfection, none of us are, but I know that one of the things that is at the core of that is how do two people build a closeness How do they build an intimacy, an intimacy that, yes, it is expressed in part in the bedroom, but it's an intimacy that is is more than what goes on when the door is closed. It's an intimacy that uh, has so much to do with how you listen to the other, how you value the other, how a man can lead, but with a gentle kind of respect where a woman knows she's highly valued and where a woman respects her husband and and yet in a way where she's able to recognize and he's able to recognize that these are two equals living out their um, call from God in relationship to one another. And um, I feel like Howard and Liz have done that, um, at least from all the interaction that I've had with them, and I really wanted to hear a little about how they see that. And, and, and you'll see uh, part of why I think that's a challenge with them when they get a chance to tell us a little about their family. So I would like to just start out by asking you, Howard and Liz, if you would introduce yourselves, kind of who you are, a little about your family, um, uh, a little of maybe 
how you came to meet and how you started out this whole green marriage and family, if we can do that. You go first. I'm Liz Green, and um, I grew up in Niagara Falls, New York, and then went to Princeton. Then I joined Campus Crusade staff and worked at some of the Ivy League schools and met Howard while I was working at Dartmouth. And um, we dated for a year, had some turbulent moments during our year, and at the end of the year, we were married. And I was almost 29, he was 34 when we got married, and I had expected that I would probably end up being a foreign missionary, living alone in an apartment in some country, and there hadn't come along a man, and suddenly there was, so. I talked you out of that. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) And we had our first child within about a year and a half, and it kept going from there. But you tell, introduce yeah. yourself. Um, I'm Howard Green. I grew up in um, Northbrook, Illinois. And um, as Liz said, we were both older when we met and got married. And so we were both really quite ready to get married. And we've been married 28 years now. Mm-hmm. And um, we have 12 children. We didn't set out to have 12 children. Mm. I don't know that anyone really sets out to have 12 children. Um, And part of that is by adoption, and um, that you'll uh, probably, we'll get into more of that, but that that has, um, that fact, having a large family, has informed really all of our marriage. Um, And I I feel like uh, some of the Practices and principles we put into place early in our marriage um, set us up for success in in what we subsequently did and and still still are doing. Um, mm. So it's not that it's not that twelve children define us, mm. um, but uh, it, it certainly informs practically everything about who we are and and about our marriage. Mm-hmm. So and I think that. Well. That was what I was alluding to at the beginning of, um, I think part of what I've observed about you guys is that you've both been very committed to your children, you've both been very involved with your children, and you love your children, but you've somehow still managed, in my observation of you, which has been fairly extensive, you've managed to keep Christ first. And you've managed to keep each other first. Mm-hmm. And that's been obviously something that you must have intended from the beginning. Can you, can you share a little bit about how each of you came to know Christ and how uh, he came to be first in your life? And then maybe from that, talk a little bit about how that maybe, if that, if that led to you deciding how to value one another uh, in a key way and not getting swallowed up by your family. Is that too much for no. one question? Okay. No, it, it's a lot. I'm trying to think about where to go. Why don't, why don't you go first? I, I was a pastor's kid. My dad uh, was, is, was a Presbyterian pastor, and so I knew the Lord from before I can remember. I knew I already was had faith in Christ when I was about five years old, and 
I became aware somewhere along the way that my name, Elizabeth, meant consecrated to God. At least that's what I thought it meant. And um, I always felt that, that I belonged to the Lord and he was mine. And I foundational to our understanding of marriage were some books we read during our engagement. Huh. And one of those books was His Needs, Her Needs. Uh-huh. And that was just so helpful to us because it helped us to realize, uh, I think we already knew men and women were different, but some of the different needs that men and women have in mm. marriage. And so often, I think, people go into marriage expecting the other person's needs will be the same as theirs. Mm. And so then they try to meet those needs and they're meeting their own kinds of needs, but not their spouse's mm. kinds mm. of needs. Mm. And so that was a great book for us to talk through while we were dating and engaged mm. and mm. has helped us ever since. Mm. My mm. parents, um, I'd say, have had a good marriage, have a good marriage. And particularly my dad has always been very devoted to my mom and wise. My mom has been very loyal to my dad. So they they had all kinds of things that came up, as all marriages do, but I feel like, and they're still married and still alive, so mm-hmm. they, they love each other and are really kind to one another, mm. and that was a good example for me. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, in fact, I... I know your parents too mm-hmm. a little bit, and when you say they're alive, mm-hmm. she doesn't just mean that they're still vertical <laughs> and that they haven't graduated uh, to heaven. Uh, they're very much alive, and so you had a good example in so many ways with your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Um, fifty-eight years they've been married. Wow, mm-hmm. fifty-eight years. So, uh, and, and I'm going to hear from Howard in just a second. What? Um, well. I'll leave it open in case Howard wants to respond right now or whether you want to go on at this point, Liz. But um, part of what I was wondering, not only is um, how you came to know Christ and how he came to be central in your life, but at some point in here, uh, how that became so central in your married life, because it's one thing for a person to determine that as a 13-year-old, as a 25-year-old, but when in our late 50s or our 60s, we're still, Christ is still central and Christ is still first. That has to be intentional. It doesn't happen accidentally. So mm-hmm. keep that I, in I, mind whether... Yeah, I can, I can uh, uh, mm-hmm. talk about that. I stumbled into belief in high school when I was 14. I say stumbled in, into it because it certainly wasn't head knowledge. It was uh, much more... Uh, an emotional uh, attraction to a love that I probably didn't really understand at the time, mm-hmm. and and I had the fortune of uh, good fortune of um, going through a, a number of years of um, I guess kind of searching and and eventually building into a, a much broader and deeper understanding of, about what the gospel is and in, in particular. Who Christ is, and 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 um, coming to an understanding that He is indeed who He says He is. That He is He is the uh, Lord of all, and the and the ruler of the universe, and 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 the one who created us and sustains us, and is worthy of of 
all that we are and have. And, and, and so because we got married later, I think Liz and I both had wrestled through a great many issues of, of the Christian life and Christian belief and, and arrived at, at marriage at a point where we were both fairly mature in our understanding of, mm. of who Christ is and, and, um, and what it means to, to try to live, a, uh, live as he would have us live on a, mm. a daily mm. basis. So yes, that we came together with, with an understanding that this would be a Christian marriage and, mm. and we very deliberately set out to make it so mm. and, and, to, and to give him the centrality in that we 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 both arrived at marriage understanding the 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 which i think maybe you've already already gone through in in the previous podcast but but the biblical portrait of marriage as as a, a reflection of christ's love for us and and uh, almost a, a great object lesson to the world about about that love for us, and mm. so we we decided to try to uh, be that 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 object lesson and that picture um, to the world, and and to to form our, our our lives and our marriage around that, and not around anything else, mm. Um, mm. not not around career, not around um, and significantly not around children, not mm. not around. Um, Family, but around who he is. Mm. Although all those things are peripheral, um, it, he he brings orderliness to to mm. all those other things. Um, mm. So, so yeah, in a lot of there. ways, in your case, getting married a little later at an average age of about thirty-one between you, um, that gave you an opportunity uh, to establish Christ already at the rulership of your lives. Mm -hmm. And so already you were doing that individually, which was part of what you were probably both looking for in a mate. Right. And so once marriage started, it wasn't like we need to decide how we're going to do this. You had pre-decided that before you even met each other. So that's a certain advantage, I guess. I, I, I'd say so. Uh, I'd say so. Uh, I, that does not mean that I necessarily recommend that everybody get married later in life. Mm. Um, I, I don't think that's realistic. And and quite frankly, it wasn't all that much fun waiting that long. But <laughs> but it was in a way. I mean, it it was good. There, yeah. there was a goodness about it, and I and I I don't regret it. Um, uh, I, I don't regret getting married later. Because um, then you would have missed me. I would have missed you. That's right. <laughs> and and I would have missed I would have missed a great deal of the. Exciting and fun things I did when I was single. I did lots of lots of neat and interesting stuff, which which probably I wouldn't have been able to do if I'd already been married. Yeah, so that's, yeah. I don't regret it. Yeah. Um, now, I told you when I asked you if you all would be willing to share a bit about your life together in this series. Part of why I asked you was because um, because here's a couple with twelve kids, twelve kids whom. My wife and I know and love um, homeschooling for many of those years, for most of those kids, um, a, a busy um, medical practice for Howard in terms of the work that he does as a physician, um, a, just a busy life that both of them share. And yet what I've seen with you guys 
is a certain sweetness. Um, I don't think of either of you as sweet people. Like that wouldn't be in my top five adjectives for either of you. No, no, that no, wouldn't no, be. No. But there is a sweetness about your relationship with one another. There's a fondness. I have witnessed it repeatedly. And in a variety of sitting over a, a dinner, I've seen it with you talking to each other and laughing, talking about difficult challenges that you face. I see a other-centeredness about both of you. Can you share a little bit about what some of the, what are some of the things that you guys have done? What are some of the things that you have attempted to try to build what I would call an intimacy? We, we often think about sex, the act of sex, as the picture of unity. It's two people becoming one. And I've heard it expressed that it's both, uh, it's both the result of oneness and a means of oneness. But what I've observed, I've observed you guys in large measure experiencing life as one, mm-hmm. even though your personalities are distinct, your gifts are distinct, your, your thoughts are distinct. I've still seen a oneness mm-hmm. that I think God is trying to bring about through the sexual union. And so I guess what I'm asking is what have you guys done over these past nearly 30 years to build oneness as um, a real adjective of your marriage that um, is pictured in sex but is not all wrapped in sex? It's it's really wrapped in so many other things as well. So could you speak to that a little bit? Oh, I could say many things. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll start. Okay. Howard is my best friend, and he has been since we got married. And he's the one that I look forward to seeing the most anytime, anywhere, any day. And it, I think sometimes moms can make children replace that place in their lives with their children. And I never wanted to do that because Howard has that spot hmm. of first place friendship for me. And so we, there have been various choices over the years, of course, Having, I mean, our kids are nine years apart from the beginning to the end because of the seven adoptions and the five birth children. They're all around the same ages. And so we've had very, very, very busy times. But we always have tried to make sure we had we touched base with each other in a personal way, found out about each other's days, about our frustrations and our joys and what had happened. And we also... Uh, not from the very beginning, but from pretty early in our marriage, um, get up in the morning to have a quiet time. And we have it at the same time. We don't usually, we don't study the same thing. We don't talk to each other throughout. We have our own times, but we're, we have our coffee ready and we have our time. Sometimes of, we interrupt each other's sometimes thoughts. Sometimes we do, <laughs> plenty. But we're doing it together to at the same time. You. and. That, <laughs> That's been a really good start to our day. And uh, we've also tried to do companionable things, which Mm. mostly, again, focused around the children through the growing up years. But we did it together, and I didn't ever take big actions in our marriage, whether it was financial or something with the kids, without talking with Howard about it because we were in it together. Well, nor did I. Right, but I'm just telling from my perspective. <laughs> Would you guys like to have a little time together? 
Okay, go ahead. No, that was good. That, yeah. What what she means is, uh, you know, neither of us was gonna. I'm not gonna go out and 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 buy some huge piece of machine hobby a motorcycle or something or motorcycle. Much as I might like to, but we we, we that's that's not the foundation of our marriage. But it does touch on on the idea that. Uh, financially, uh, my, my thoughts are going a lot of directions, but our finances are one. We we don't have separate accounts. We don't have anything separate, and and so our money is our money, and and what we own is what we own, and and that that gets back to something you said at the very introduction. You you mentioned f- friendship, and you mentioned oneness, um, and and that idea of oneness. Uh, ha- it has been and is foundational for us. One of the one of the very first things we did. Um, when did we do that? Mm. Were we married or were we engaged? Depends on what you're about you to say. You know what I'm talking about. That uh, TV. No. Oh. Well, that. No. We cut that out right no, away. No. Yeah. We never. We didn't watch <laughs> TV at all. Um, no. The the weekend to remember with uh, family life ministry yeah. thing. We we went to that. Um, when did we go? A year we after we were married, we, were, we had been mm-hmm. married for a year, and and that was foundational for us. Mm-hmm. Um, the, this, and, and I don't know if it's still the same, but what they what they focused on, you know, it was all different speakers, but all of the all of the speakers and and the entire focus on the thing was this idea of oneness, and and that um, that the the the, the the goal of marriage is oneness, and that means oneness in everything. And so, our enduring image from that conference. One of the speakers said, "Your swords are always at any point either facing out with your backs together or facing toward each other mm. as you're fighting each other. So, at any moment, you're either moving toward unity or disunity. There's never a standing still time. So we're that's great. Yeah. So so we are either both in this completely together. Um, with a oneness in everything we do, but fundamentally a oneness in purpose. If if, mm-hmm. if we don't have a oneness in purpose, then w- what does the rest of it matter? So we we um, we have fashioned all of our decisions and everything we do around this idea of of oneness. Are we are we maintaining relationship with one another? Are we are we fostering it? And and um, what are some of the things you do to help make that actually take place? I mean, I know of a few, but what comes to your mind as things you guys do? Well, we just laugh a lot. Mm-hmm. We have we we laugh a lot about practically. Howard's hilarious. We laugh about everything. <laughs> some some might say to to uh, to a fault. Some sometimes uh, we're we're a little too snarky and cynical, but. Even in that, we can recognize it, and, it's, and you've, you know all about that, and <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And our kids have, in, most of our kids have inherited that, that snarkiness, and 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 and, and humor has played an enormous role mm-hmm. in in our in our lives and in our marriage. It, it's been a great gift, and I think we've given a a, a great gift to our our kids because life is hard, and 
and yet even in the hardness there's difficulties there's almost always something to laugh about uh-huh. almost always you can, you can find something to laugh about because life is hard but it's also fairly ridiculous sometimes and, <laughs> and so if you can if you can learn to laugh and we laugh together a lot mm-hmm. and um uh, and then we 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 have fun. We just like we we just like to go do adventures and and do fun things together. And and so that means. Um, so we did that a lot with yeah. the kids when yeah. they were younger. Are you guys still walking? I remember every uh, night. Yeah. Been, every night we go for a walk. We oh, used to as be much as as much as we older can. Brother, when when we had young children, because we couldn't just go walking because our kids were young. We couldn't leave them at home. So when but we'd make sure they were in yeah. bed early enough so we could have an hour or an hour and a half just with, together yeah. before we went to bed. So sometimes we were just reading our own books, but other times it was a chance to talk. Yeah, those were some those were some busy years with as anyone with little kids knows that when it's just so relentless and mm-hmm. so we we always try to be very careful to um, carve out some time where you know you can just kind of breathe a sigh of relief and and read together and um, to spend time and then yeah we we go for almost almost every evening we go for a walk together um it's a habit and the dog needs to go out and (laughs) but and and it's a time to get some exercise and it's always been a time to talk about Mm -hmm. just whatever just talk time to talk the walks are a time to talk um you know i think that part of what i've observed in knowing that about you is that there were decisions made a long time ago that enabled you to do that. Like there are a lot of people who don't walk together or take time to talk in an intentional way on a regular basis, maybe because the busyness of their jobs, the busyness of their children, the busyness of their house responsibilities, the concerns of finances, all the things that all of us deal with, those occupy them. And it, it makes me think, um, um, Stephen Covey has these seven habits of highly effective people, and um, kind of a theme of all of it uh, is that you're either going to act on something or something is going to act on you. In other words, someone else is going to determine what you do or you're going to determine what you do. You guys have done something to determine for yourselves what you're going to do rather than letting life dictate everything because uh it's not you guys don't have a rosy colored life uh you don't have a magic life where you don't have difficulties but there is order uh it makes me think about something we talked about in one of the early podcasts about the creation mandate when god tells the man and the woman that he wants them to fill the earth and to subdue it and rule over it and one of the things that we mentioned in an earlier podcast is the filling has to do with kids, and you've done your part. Twelve kids, yeah. I think, qualifies. I think that's pretty good. Uh, that's the filling. But then the subduing is interesting because the word specifically has to do with, the word subdue is very different than the word rule. Subdue has to do with subduing something unruly. Mm-hmm. It specifically means like an adversary. And so if there's something that's really out of order, you must dominate that, if you will, to bring it into order. But then the next word, rule, has to do with walking around and providing a dignified order. And I think what I've observed is even though you guys go through all the challenges that any of us do, plus some sometimes, um, 
there's an orderliness that I see, and 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 uh, and 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 that that orderliness I think has something to do with decisions you have pre-made that you're going to go for a walk or that you're going to take time to have a quiet time or something like that. Um, I don't know if you can speak to that. Maybe that's too uh, too open-ended to be useful. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that along the way that there are things that we have chosen not to do that have allowed us to have the time to do things with each other. And so one of the early decisions when he was in residency, we knew we had from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. every evening, and that was it. That was the only time we ever had together because he was so busy, and we determined no TV. We're not going to have a TV and this will be our time together. And when there were women's evenings at church, I didn't go because I wanted to spend that time with Howard. I had all the rest of the day to do the other things that needed to happen. So I didn't go shopping in the evenings and none of that. And, and so all the way along, we've made those kinds of choices. So where others might expect us to go be part of especially at church you know mm-hmm. that i love women's ministry and i've been involved in women's ministry but not in the evening because that's the only time i would have with him and so and howard likewise usually doesn't go off on men's weekends he's gone to the beast feast once or twice with the boys but mostly we don't do things apart from each other when there's time to spend together there are exceptions, but we mostly have focused on being each other's best friend. Because mm. just like children can take that place, for especially for a mom, I think other women can take that place where you're talking more to all your friends than you're talking with your husband. Mm. And don't know exactly how it happens with men, maybe with work that they you know spend extra hours or whatever, but we've been careful to devote all mm. the hours we could to doing things with each other and spending time with each other and saying no to other commitments. Mm. Mm. Just think about that idea of orderliness. A um, couple of things come to mind. Um, one is that I've grown in an understanding of marriage, and I think Liz has too, that uh, when you get married, you're, you or God with us is creating a new organism it's a new it's a new organization it's a new way of being and and it's not just uh, I've used this illustration with my kids it's not just additive it's not one plus one that doesn't because really, two friends are one plus one nor is it um, nor is it just one because it's more than one it, it's more either kind of geometric or exponential and and so the one the the two of us together are more than each of us alone and 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 by that i mean i see things come out of our marriage that i almost kind of surprising where did where did that come from Mm. how how is it that god brought us together and and has birthed a new being it's an it's a new entity mm-hmm. and and so and so our responsibility in, in recognizing that is that there, there there does we need to participate in that and and so there is this orderliness there there's a, a in a way sort of a set of rules 
and and like maybe boundaries that we determined we're going to live within these these rules and boundaries as we form this new organism and and those boundaries and and rules for children will become a source of of security and safety not necessarily fencing them in but but uh, a sort of a a, a I don't know what the right word, like a sheepfold or a, mm-hmm. a nursery maybe, or a, a maybe a, like a plant nursery. A greenhouse. A greenhouse. That's a, that's a good word. Green, the, the green greenhouse. The greenhouse. Greenhouse. Am I making noise on the table? Greenhouse. Greenhouse. So that within within those those that orderliness, there is room to um, room to grow and laugh and flourish and um, kind of a place for to allow for human flourishing mm-hmm. which is what I think God has for us and I mm-hmm. think he intends for marriage to be a, a, a vehicle to not the only one but but a primary one to allow for human flourishing and that really can only happen if if she and I together determine that 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 we're gonna make it a place the best we can to allow that to happen. Mm. And so that orderliness, I'm, I'm kind of back to the oneness idea, we need to very deliberately subject all of our decisions and, and um, uh, facing all the problems and challenges. Our lives are filled with problems and challenges as everyone's, and you know some of them, mm-hmm. um, and, and facing them together and, t- and so it involves lots and lots of talking and and some hand wringing and, and and we know we're on each other's team yeah. first and yeah. so when we face problems with the kids or problems with in-laws or any of those things we know we're on each other's team first mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and sometimes if we get in a conflict we remind each other i'm on your side mm-hmm. don't forget mm-hmm. yeah don't mm-hmm. forget don't mm-hmm. forget i'm on your side mm-hmm. we're not enemies mm-hmm. i'm not your enemy i'm not your you know, we're not combatants in, you know, as some, unfortunately, some marriages are. It's as if it's as if it's a cage match. And yeah. that's that's not really probably not a really nice biblical picture of marriage, a cage match. <laughs> we don't we don't view ours that way. Rather, we are. I, 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 I liked what you said about equals. You said at the beginning equals. We are very much equals. I I I am. Um, I am no more and no less than than Liz is. We we're, we're equals in in ability, equals in um, uh, well, we need in, each other's importance and significance. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and um, so we draw each other in to all that he does for with the things at work. He'll draw me in. I know all about all kinds of things going on at work, mm-hmm. and he knows all about everything <laughs> that I face, and so. We help each other and we use each other's gifts and thinking to be better at the things we do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Let me ask, I have, I have two, two final questions. Um, one is sort of on this topic of sexuality uh, in, in one respect and see what you can do with that question. And the other one has more to do with for other people, and I'll get to that in just a moment. Um, are there any principles that you guys have, um, when you think about your 
when you think about physical intimacy uh, of all sorts, hugging, hand-holding, all the way up to time alone um, in, in the most intimate way, are the things that you guys have learned along the way that are principles or intentions or commitments or anything like that that you can say to whatever extent we've experienced oneness that includes our shared sexuality, uh, here are some things that God has done with us to help us make that healthy. Here are some things God's done to make that sweet. Is there anything that you have learned along the way that's possible to share? I think one of the things is that we are careful to keep oneness in our communication. So we, we actually haven't had that many conflicts that were really serious toward each other. But when we do have them, I cannot bear it. And I'll go after him, you know, until things get settled because I cannot bear to have any sort of distance distance at all and so I think when a couple allows that to happen mm -hmm. you can't have joyful times mm -hmm. in your intimacy so our times are joyful and I might even say worshipful mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. it's so much something that God has given us as a gift mm -hmm. and so there's no dirtiness mm -hmm. about it no none of that it's mm -hmm. all wonderful and joyful mm -hmm. because because we have such a lovely relationship, a mm -hmm. lovely friendship, and mm -hmm. we don't let darkness intrude. Mm -hmm. And when it does, we do everything possible to chase it away. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I'll, and and maybe I'll say the same thing, but sort of differently. You you can't have a nice sexual relationship if 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 what precedes that is is not joyful and and friendly and and uh honest and, and, yes and honest and open and 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 it's not possible sex i think then just can become kind of mechanical and mechanistic mm -hmm. and yes. and perhaps demanding and and um we don't have anything like that yeah. and and uh and i wouldn't want it it would it would it would it would be unattractive and, and unappealing and and so in order <coughs> pardon me in order to i think have have a good and healthy sexual relationship what necessarily has to precede that is good open honest like all these things we've been talking about yeah, yeah. honest communication yeah. and and keeping keeping very short accounts yeah. and and um and getting things settled and worked out and and um and also with an understanding, Liz kind of touched on this, and an understanding that that this is not not unique to me. We stole this from from um, Egerix. Uh, uh, what's that guy's name? Emerson, Emerson Egerix. That um, she's a woman of goodwill, mm. and mm -hmm. and 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 I'm of goodwill, and two people of goodwill can and must work things out mm. and and so keeping that that means not not um keeping grudges and and um assuming things assuming things it's so easy to assume, especially early in your marriage mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. so easy to assume 
things about the other person that are, are simply not right and, and born out of a, a lack of knowledge and and bringing bringing your own upbringing your own expectations your and your yeah. and your own background in into the marriage and and this is getting a little bit off topic but i think that's what the first year of marriage is hmm. essential to do to accomplish those kind of deconstructing those expectations that we yeah. all bring to marriage mm-hmm. and with some really probably sometimes painful and and tearful d- discussing why did you respond like that yeah. to me yeah. where's that yeah. coming from yeah and, and yeah. I think some marriages they just never get beyond that yes, yes, and, yes. and being able to sort of open those little packages and say that's not what I You've yeah. taught us a lot about this, yeah. kind of talking about, communicating about the communication. When you said that thing, what did you mean? Mm-hmm. And then learning to listen. So I think I think the first, so certainly that has to go on all through marriage, but certainly in the first year, learning to kind of unpack what, what you brought with you. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, here's this unattractive box. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look in here and, and see what it is and, and, and do away with it. Um, but ba- ba- back to the to the whole sexual life together what must precede it is is a very deliberate um understanding that we're going to keep short accounts we're going to talk about everything we're going to be united in everything in purpose in in child rearing in money in and you know how we spend our money how we spend our time in hobbies and and then all of that comes to bear and i agree with you is sex the outgrowth of that, mm. well, yes, but it is all—is it also a necessary ingredient into all that? Yes, it's, yeah. it, it, I think it's both things. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's really good. Well, and I that want, really can I no, say please. one more personal yeah, please. thing? I think, and because sex is done with our bodies, mm-hmm. it's something that we have thought about and talked about through our whole marriage. You know, with pregnancies and all that kind of thing how to please one another bodily mm-hmm. and to look nice and mm-hmm. to be pleasant mm-hmm. in the way we attract one another mm-hmm. in our physical way. And so that's mm-hmm. been something we've not just spiritualized. Oh, yes. well, if, if we have harmony, all will yeah. be well. Yeah. Well, it's important to make sure you're being careful to think about the preferences of the other mm-hmm. and to remain attractive to your spouse. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean attractive like a movie star, but yes. attractive to your own spouse. And yeah. to talk honestly about that, what is there a hindrance in the yeah. way I'm keeping myself? Yeah. I don't think we're attractive like movie stars. Well, in a way, this it does make a circle and it brings back to the last question. Uh, because what I wanted to ask at the end, and I'll, I'll give a prelim to it here in just a minute, but what I wanted to ask at the end is, if anybody was listening and saying they have a little something that I would like more of, something they're talking about, it's it's not unique to you guys. You guys are living out something that you've learned from what you know of God. I mean, everything I've heard, to me, I feel like if we went back and we took everything that's been discussed we could find Bible verses that point to either by command or by illustration virtually everything you have said. Mm-hmm. So it's just a biblical way of being, and by God's grace, he has given you joy in that. I mean, that's his kindness. But, but if you were talking to someone who was in a position where they'd say, 
we're just not there. We don't have that level of oneness. We don't have that level of friendship. We we don't turn off the television uh, or or not have one. We uh, we're not one on finances or you know, all the things that all of us have seen in our own lives as well as people we've ministered to. Um, is there anything succinct? Is there any one or two brief things that you would say to say if if one of the things you want is the kind of oneness that God has called for in the Bible and that we've been trying to learn ourselves over the last 30 years here is one or two things here are one or two things that I would encourage people to do to pursue that anything you would say along those lines well, I guess the first thing I'd say is focusing on the sexual relationship is the wrong wrong place to start that that's going to go nowhere and by that I mean these things we've been talking about what must precede that is an honest and an open relationship and and so that may and so the the thing I would say and you may say something different is that's going to require taking a risk and and on the part of one or both partners and the risk would be um, being willing willing to tear off a scab and 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 um and it's going to require entering into some pain and and getting into some honest honest communication probably sometimes about years of pent up frustrations and and um and hurts and undealt with um, um insults and 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 probably some absurdities that that should have been dealt with a long long time ago and and so and so being willing to speak up and and say I want to change this let's help me to understand help me to understand why we're here and how we can make this better I guess that's mm -hmm. the place I would start mm. what do you say sometimes I think having a good marriage means bringing just like what you said bringing everything you know about the Lord and his word into your relationship mm -hmm. and so sometimes you've let your your openness and your humility before God go and you're not really you know you might be going to church and you might be going to a class or whatever but maybe you're not really humbling yourself before the Lord and laying yourself open and saying okay Lord I'm willing to be to be laid bare before your word and I will be and do anything you want me to be and so humbling yourself first before the Lord and then going to your spouse and saying you know how how can I be a better wife or husband to you and then beginning to work on those things and I think mm. it's when if you have many years of not doing that then you will have many years of working your way back mm. but I think if both of you have an attitude of I want to mm. please the Lord mm. more than anything mm. in mm. my relationship with you you can mm. begin to take one step at a time mm. that's so good I I think those two points together are so good if you think about I need to be honest before God and humble before God to ask him to show me what he needs to show me that I may have turned a deaf ear to or that I might have not have known. And there are a variety of ways to do that, but but take those steps. And then the exact same, if you think about what Howard said, it's you're doing the very same thing in the relationship. Mm -hmm. You're humbling yourself. You're being open to helping me see what I haven't seen. And in both cases, you're taking a risk. Mm -hmm. 
when you humble yourself before when we humble ourselves before God, we're taking a risk because he might direct us in a direction other than what we had instinctively wanted. And if he if we do that before another person, the same thing happens. But what we're really doing is we're saying, I don't have this all figured out. I require the Lord to open my eyes to what I don't know, and I require another person uh, so that we can be more of what Howard was talking about, that new entity. Because many times we're so fearful of losing the entity we were before we were married, all the things we hold dear, that holding on to what we were before becomes more important to us than the new entity of oneness that God holds to much more advantage. Uh, God holds that one. He, he doesn't say there is no husband. He doesn't say there is no wife. He just says that the husband and wife are now one. Mm-hmm. And in his mind, I take it that what that means is oneness comes first, our oneness with the Lord first, but on earth, our oneness with one another comes first, and then we look at what God is doing in us. So I love those two comments that you made, and it made me think when you were speaking, both of you, I thought my it was like a red flag. I thought after this series, after the focus series, I hope we can maybe come back together two, three, four months down the road when we're planning to do a series of other podcasts that are more like implications of some of these things mm-hmm. and maybe flesh that out more. If you were to inv- imagine sitting across from a couple who was in that place, how you would do the two things you just said. So kind of uh, mm-hmm. let's make that a bookmark and let's see if the Lord might have us do that down the road. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thank you both very much for sharing mm-hmm. with us uh, very much. And, and thank you for being with us for this podcast on the the living out of sexuality, in this case, in marriage, of a couple lived almost 30 years, uh, of a couple with uh, all the normal things that people uh, run into, and at the same time, not only children, but lots of children. And uh, how do we somehow make Christ come first and the oneness come first? I, I just thank you guys for uh, the 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 example you are to me and and the friends you are so God bless you guys and and let me let you know if you're listening uh, this is also these podcasts are available on video on YouTube you're welcome to look on YouTube if you'd like to see these things that you might have been listening to uh, and on top of that those of you who have questions that you would like to send forward that we can be answering over the next few months during the focus, there's a place on the church website, fbcva.life, there's a place on that website that, that enables you to link up questions you have related to this whole series on sexuality so that those of us who are trying to minister during this time can, can maybe interact with you about that. So please take, uh, take that to heart. Thanks for being with us.